And I want to take you into the Word of God. And we are going to go into Matthew 25 this evening. But before we go to the book of Matthew, we're going to read a few verses uh, from Ecclesiastes and Psalms. And, but the main text would be Matthew 25. I was reading a story about a man. His name is Gary Conn. Gary Conn uh, eventually became the Economic Council uh, member in the U.S., uh, this man held a distinguished position and uh, he was notable for several different decisions that influenced the economy. But primarily, what intrigued me about this man's story was how he rose to ranks. You see, Gary Korn came from a very small village his parents were not well-to-do. But what his parents intended for him was one day as he studied and he began to go to school, that one day Gary would become at least a truck driver. And even if he became a truck driver, the mom said that I would be so proud of you and that would make me happy. And so he struggled in school for a while. He had trouble following the uh, education system. But time went on. Gary graduated from school. Eventually, one day he was working for a steel company. And he decided that he was going to go into the New York Stock Exchange. He said, took a day off, long story short, went in to the trading floor, but obviously the security who saw him stopped Gary at the door and said, you can't go any further than this. At the verge of giving up, he happened to see a man walking out from the trading floor and this man was indeed a high flyer. He was a man who had some position and rank in the trading uh, uh, or the option trading company or the brokerage company and he turned around and spoke to some of his staff and he said i have to run i'm leaving to the airport and he went into the lift he mentioned the place i think it was la gordia or something like that and he says i'm going to be taking a flight and leaving tonight Gary, who was standing at the door at that time, heard this man and immediately jumped into the lift with this man because it was pre-security. This man was walking out. And he said, you're going to the airport. The man said, yeah, I, I'm catching a flight. He says, good, I'm going to the airport too. Can I ride with you? And so the man, I think, stomped, no idea what to say. He said, yeah, sure, come on. And so Gary spoke to this man for one hour in the cab. The man was so impressed with Gary Korn that he said, come on Monday, you have a job in the, uh, uh, as an option trader. Now the kicker to that story is this, Gary completely had no clue what option trading is. So have you heard the term, fake it till you make it? That's Gary for you. 
That's what he did. So when he heard he got the job, he lied so much, he pretended like he knew it all. He went home that day, Saturday and Sunday, the weekend, he read as much as he could, squashed as much as he could, went to work on Monday, pretended like he knew what he was doing, and became one of the most significant economic uh, advisor council in the US not too long ago. Gary Kahn was actually the CEO of Goldman Sachs, if you know. But long story short, I want to talk to you for a few moments about faking it till you make it. Because the truth is, we all will face the test. The test that we all will have to face one day is when Jesus returns for His church. And that test is an integral part of our doctrine. His return will prelude or will be the prelude for the test that every believer will have to face one day. His return will not only represent hope, it will not only represent the future for those that have walked righteously, but also the return of Jesus will represent judgment. His return will be a time of true justice and fairness. I say to you, beloved, as you listen to this message, true fairness does not come in this world. It comes from the living God. The only one, you can have the courts of law in this country. You can have the best lawyers and judge. You can have the most reputable person in charge of your case. But I say to you that true fairness and true justice can only come and will only come at the return of Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verses 14, the Bible says, For every, sorry, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. Now that's scary. That means there is nothing hidden with God. Psalms 96 13, for he is coming. For He is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with His truth. You see, this is the irrefutable truth for the righteous. God will hide nothing in eternity, beloved. Everything will be laid out before you and me. God will measure us according to our righteousness. Righteousness that He has imputed into us. We have become right with God because He is righteous. He injected righteousness in us. By nature, we have been 
we are fallen by nature we have blundered our life by nature and the sin of adam and eve beloved we know we are sinners but because of his righteousness he has given us the goods as the bible says to live righteously and to be in right standing with god it's interesting psalms 96 doesn't say that god will judge his people by the cultures of their of their country or by the race and the religion or the followings of what they were brought up by no the the, the judgment of god according to psalms 96 will be based on one virtue and that is the virtue of truth nothing else and so this necessitates the reality that there is a final test we all will face that test you may be like gary Corn, faking it until you make it but payday is coming it is coming our way where there will be no hiding no secrecy any longer we will then come to a place where we will receive what we deserve the test will serve as an equalizer god will judge the good and the bad i've been very troubled over the past week also as i'm speaking to numbers of different christians i'm finding out some things regarding their life we had a man not long ago share with me one of the brothers in church was sharing with me about a gentleman that he knew who lied a lot about his credentials and who he really is this man this individual is a reputable person he has traveled the globe he has preached he has come to malaysia he has ministered in some of the most outstanding of settings but what he found out later on about this individual is that the credentials he carried were edited were not true for the most part that when you begin to go into his website he had all these credentials and accolades and all of that and yet every time someone questioned him about it and when it came to surface he would edit and remove some of those things that people find out that are untrue about him this stomped and just troubled this man one of these brothers in our church he says pastor how is it so that you can preach the gospel so powerfully and yet live a life that doesn't complement the preaching and it's true if you've lived long enough you are going to find people out there and i know it sounds very crest who are fakes and this is the truth of our day and age beloved but the good news remains that those who walk righteously with god will face vindication from god so let's talk then because what we are seeing take place what this world cannot do judgment does for the individual judgment involves separation 
A line is drawn when you stand before judgment. It doesn't matter the credentials you held when you were on earth. It doesn't matter how many people looked up to you when you were in earth. It doesn't matter how many prime ministers or presidents you shook hands with when you were on earth. What really is going to count when you stand before God is the truth in which you lived your life. The secrets are going to come out. Whatever other people see are going to come out. This is going to be laid out on the table and there's no running away from judgment. Whatever is hidden is going to be brought into light. And so the question this evening is, what is it that's in our lives that's about time we bring to the table and show them to God? Because we somehow live in this concept that God doesn't know. Let me remind you, He's God, omnipresent, omnipotent, He's all-powerful and He's all-knowing. You can't hide anything from God. This is an oxymoron. When people think they can hide from God, God knows everything that's going on. Matthew 25, 31-33. This scripture begins to pen down an interesting narration not between the sinner and believer, but as I read this, I'm finding that it is a judgment between or for the believer. And so Matthew 25, 31 to 33, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, he will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him. He will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, will come no longer as a slave or a servant or in the form of a flesh. The Bible says He will come in His glory. And when He comes in His glory, He's no longer going to come as a Savior. He is going to come as the King of the kingdom. He will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. And what is seen, what is unseen, beloved, in action, the Bible tells us, will clearly be the dividing factor, will clearly become the factor of segregation when Jesus takes His place as judge on the great white throne. You know, I preached a number of different sermons probably from the scripture and even regarding the subject. But when I was in Sri Lanka with Pastor Alan, um, he, he began to, we were sharing some thoughts regarding with what's happening in COVID, with the COVID-19 and all of that. And we began to realize that you know, it's this whole COVID-19 right now. Yes, there are things that we are having to adhere to. There are things we are having to abide to. There are things that we are called to keep to because it's the law number one and we are called to keep to that. And there are certain precautionary measures for our safety and the safety of the people that surround us. But at the same time, 
one of the truths you find is there's a great divide between the real Christian and the way they talk and the fake Christian and the way they talk. This whole crisis has kind of brought to surface, what I'm trying to say is it's brought to surface who you really are as a Christian. Where you really stand in your faith with God. And this is what Jesus is bringing to surface right here. I sent some of the men yesterday an article in the US, the Republicans have decided uh, they, they were looking and they were reviewing some of, the, uh, um, uh, some of the statements that were being made and they've said now that Bill Gates uh, uh, is planning on uh, bringing in a vaccine and if he successfully finds the vaccine, that he is going to use that vaccine uh, because it's going to be a, a vital vaccine for any newborn child. It is going to come with a chip along with the vaccine. 44% of the Republicans believe that is going to be the case. Now, I'm not standing on this tangent nor the other, but I want to draw your attention that if it is true, beloved, I know that we're living in the last days and everything after the ascension of Jesus has been leading us on to the return of Jesus. But this is the scary truth, if you think about it. What if this COVID-19, what if this whole epidemic that we're dealing with on a, on a scale, uh, on a large scale of the world, what if the only alternative, just think, I'm not saying anything that, that, that you know, uh, uh, affirms this, but let's just say, if the only way to be protected from this is to receive the vaccine with a chip, then my point to you is, we are clearly stepping closer to the day of tribulation. And that's a scary truth. Because those who have faked it, you can make it in this world, but you'll not make it in God's kingdom. And this is where the separation begins to play its distinct part. God, who is all-knowing, is going to bring justice. Do you think, beloved, those who had sacrificed, making godly, righteous decisions, are going to be unfairly treated in the day of judgment, while the rest of the Christians are gallivanting and mocking and taking it so lightly, the command of God, do you think, beloved, for one second, God will tolerate that since He indeed is a God of justice? This is what the separation represents. It is going to separate between the real and the fake. And there is no in-between anymore so the separation is involved involves a very thin distinct difference subtle 
yet profoundly different in God's eyes and eternity. You look at a Christian today on earth and sometimes you find it very hard to differentiate their faith and your faith. You look at it and you say, they're not much different from me. And you heard my sermon last Sunday morning that here we are, we are living in a new age spirituality. This is the representative. It's not that they stop talking about Jesus. It's not that they stop preaching about the cross, but they subtly promote self-help. They subtly promote things that begin to remove the power of God in essence from being at work in your life. And this is where it gets difficult to differentiate between the real and the fake. And when we get to heaven, beloved the bible likens this to be differentiated as a sheep from a goat look at the bible in 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 the in the verses that we just read he says as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and that's exactly what's going to happen in eternity it is going to be a time of separation and when you study this Jesus clarifies his parable and he begins to mention that there is indeed the difference between the characteristic of a sheep and a goat and the characteristic is the result of their behavior on earth, beloved. Insensitive, self-centered. Their action will evidently determine who they are. You can read that all through verses 34 through 46 and you would see that Jesus mentions and brings clarity concerning this example and analogy that he presents. The characteristic, the sheep, which was on the right hand in verses 34, 33 and 34, he will, shed, he will set the sheep on his right and the goat on the left. The Bible tells us it is the one on the right that will be invited to enter into eternity and to spend eternity inheriting the kingdom prepared from the foundations of the world. But the one on the left, the Bible says in verses 33, he will set the sheep. The goat which is on the left, in verses 41, he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You cursed into everlasting fire. John chapter 10, 27 to 28. This is the distinct difference right here as I bring this down. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You see, the distinct, clear difference is simply this. The sheep obeys the shepherd. The sheep hears the voice of the shepherd, basically. And the sheep that hears the voice of the shepherd, recognizes the voice of the shepherd and follows the shepherd. You know, there are sheep and goats in different parts of the world, but in Asia and Africa, they actually have said that the sheep and the goat are almost identical. No one besides the shepherd can actually tell them apart. 
So the application we see from this parable describes to us that God is our shepherd. No one could tell, you know, you go to certain parts of Asia, certain parts of Africa, you look at a sheep and a goat, you actually look at the sheep and you think it's a goat, you look at the goat and you think it's a sheep. Isn't that what we look at today? Some Christians look like goat. Some Christians look like sheep. And we look at them and we, you know, no difference. They look about the same. But you see, the shepherd has a way of protecting their sheep from the environment. Whereas the goat herds protect the environment from their goats. So there's a distinct difference. Shepherds keep their sheep from the environment, but the goat herds allow, have to protect the environment from the goat. So for us to be God's sheep, we must depend on Him to defend us. If we push, we take, we destroy, then we become goats. The main difference between them is simply this. It's the simple idea that we can come back to where we need to stay on track. A sheep is led by its shepherd. A goat herd is led by its goat. So you see, one follows the master. The other one tells the master where to go. And you and I know God is not going to entertain us running His life. We see that through Scripture. We see that so many times in the act of disobedience, we want to force God into our plans. We want to force God into our agenda. We want to try and get God to agree with what we want to do. Look at the world today. The world is in the state it is in because it struggles to submit to God and simply do what God tells it to do. They think they're smart. They think they know more than God. And so what we find in the world today, beloved, is a nature of humanity rising up. And one day the real difference that is going to be set in tone and set in place is one listened and obeyed while the other never listened and obeyed. See, this is what we battle with as Christians. We are in constant battle, a conflict, a tension on the inside to obey the voice of God. And how many Christians they say they are safe. They say they know God. They are Christians. They are believers. They are followers of the gospel. But how many Christians today try to force God to do something because of their lack of obedience to God? They just don't want to obey. And this is where we stand today, beloved. And I believe that the power of conversion is the power of submission. That when a, when a person comes to God and when he is able to submit himself to God, it becomes an evident sign that they have truly been converted. The power of conversion lies in the power of submission. So let's close this evening then because the question we must ask is are we sheep or are we goats? Who does our action reveal we truly are? Who are we? Do we obey?
wholeheartedly what God says? Because the telling sign, the revealing sign is going to be presented one day, not now, but in eternity. When you step into eternity, there's no rewind button. It's forever. So our action can change the trajectory of where we go and where we spend eternity. Matthew 25, 34 the Bible says, then the king will say to those on the right hand, come you are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Matthew 25, 45 to 46, then he will answer them saying, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I'm saying to you this evening, beloved, that if there's anything at all, I want you to know that the love of God desires that you would spend eternity with Him in heaven. But God is a fair God. He will never take the free will from you and me. He will never rob us from the free will that He has given us. But I say to you, as much as He is a God of mercy and a God of justice and a God of grace, our God will not tolerate what is outrightly defiant. Eternity is a place of non-negotiation. You see, the decision has been made. How you live today conveys the decision to God. What you do with your life, what you watch, what you listen to, what you speak, who you are in the unseen, what you're doing when people are not watching. The truth, the lies, these actions that begin to compromise who we are in our value system of the world. I was just talking to my wife. I said, you know, it's, it's shocking to say the least. It is extremely shocking when you listen about a person and you, you think you know them for so long. You think you've met them and you've had relationship with them only to finally one day realize, wow, they never had too deep of a relationship with God. Wow, how can they actually speak those words and, and gossip and slander? And I know we always give the excuse, we're only human beings, but beloved, can I tell you, let the fear of God be present. We cannot just keep excusing ourselves like as though there will be no day, no payday one day. I'm here to tell you, beloved, if you would catch anything I'm trying to say in this sermon, you can fake it and make it in this world, but you cannot fake it and make it in eternity. There is a day that is coming. 
for those that are righteous. There is a day that is coming for those that have obeyed God. There is a day that is coming for those that have walked in His command and in His uh, value. Listen, there is a day that is coming that God is going to reward the righteous. And if He doesn't honor the faithful, if He doesn't honor the ones who had fought to stay holy, if He does not honor the ones who said no and decided not to compromise, then we can call Him an unjust God. But because the day is coming when there is going to be a reward for those that make the difficult decisions in this world, to obey even when they've been persecuted, to obey even when they've been mocked at, to do right even when they have been criticized, I say to you, there is a day coming where God, for the sake of those believers, God is going to honor His word and separate the goat from the sheep. Eternal condemnation versus eternal life. How you live on earth will determine where you spend eternity. We cannot run from that. We cannot get away from the things we do. We may be able to pretend like, oh, no one saw that. God did. God saw it all. And we see COVID-19 today. You know what COVID-19 shows us? That no matter how much of an intelligent person you may be, God is still greater than you. Because you cannot stop what's happening. Nothing in this world, the brilliance of science and the brilliance of medicine cannot even stop what is happening. You have to believe. Stop listening to the naysayers who say that, oh, those, God is so unfair to let this happen. God is so unfair. No, listen, God gave men the free will to choose. And I say to you that many times what we face and what we are going through is because we serve a God who reveals to us, I am still in control of everything. I think this whole crisis is showing us something. How small we are and how big God is. And so I challenge you, don't play with Him. You can fake. You can pretend. You may get away here, but not in eternity. How's your relationship with God? How is your relationship? How do you... How, how much do you know God? When was the last God spoke to you? Do you know God personally? Or is it just fiction, what people say? We were conversing this week and I was just talking to Yen and I was telling her how, you know, in the past you can look at a Christian and you expect certain form of Christ-likeness to reverberate from them. You know, Christians ought to be kind, not rude. Christians ought to be polite. Christians ought to be soft-spoken and humble. I kid you not, church, I have been on the phone with a number of different people from different churches, 
associations. And I can tell you, 90% of them are so blatantly rude. Have no, ha have no sense of being courteous or even helpful in any way. And I think that's an indictment against our faith. Where are the Christians that are kind? Where are the Christians that are soft-spoken? Where are the Christians that are humble? Back with the days, my wife was telling me the story of a Christian that she, uh, 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 you know, her, her friend was going to church and her mother, you know, she stayed at home and, and um, there were times that she would like, her sister would like to go to her friend's house and the mother would actually say, come, come, come. And she was always very uh, soft-spoken. She was very kind. She was very gentle. She was not obnoxious, arrogant, or prideful. But look at Christianity today. What's happened? Did our righteousness get to our head? Have we forgotten who we were? Beloved, Christianity has changed, but Jesus hasn't. And we are still called to be Christ-like. It's interesting when you look back at Christians of the past, and they live such a different life. Very, very, you know, you talk to a Christian, and it used to be that you walk away from them and say, wow, that person is very nice. Wow, that person is very helpful. Wow, that person is so willing to do something for me. And just different dynamics and kindness of it. But today you talk to Christians and sometimes it's like as though they want to stab you on the back. They want to... So much of pride and arrogance. And I wonder... What will eternity have to say about it? Several years ago, there's an old song. It says, I'll trade the old cross for a crown. Who also wrote, count your blessing. The last verse of that song said, Every cross that I bear for my Savior will at last, when He comes, be laid down. My sorrows will all be forgotten when I trade the old cross for a crown. The cross of your present trial may seem exceedingly heavy, yet don't let the difficulty of your trial cause you to forget the price that is promised for those who pass the test. We all before God are going to face that test one day. Are you going to pass? Are you going to make it? Because our labor of faithfulness and righteousness will be rewarded. But that is also true with our labor of ungodliness and unrighteousness, which God will eventually judge and condemn. Bow your heads with me.